Good morning. Wasn't that a beautiful song? And I never told Ginny. I always say this. I never told Ginny what I was speaking on, and she never asked me what I was preaching on. But it's amazing. And she was saying that sometimes she gets a song, and she has one on her heart to sing, and the Lord changes it to another one, and he impresses on her heart what he wants it to be. And that's the same thing with a sermon. The Lord gives us a message. Sometimes he changes it, and then he gives the message he wants to give. And the goal is that our lives will be touched. She's saying that, that the Spirit of God would work. It's not about a rally and let's do it and this and that. It's the Holy Spirit that needs to get a hold of us so that we can live completely for Him in this world and we can show the love of Christ to those around us and be a blessing. What a blessing it is. Shall we just look to Him one more time in a word of prayer? Father, we're so confident in You because You are the one who sent Your Son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us. And we have confidence in you, Lord, that you're going to speak to our hearts today by the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross and that you will use your word to reach out by the Spirit of God to every life, every heart, every person in the congregation today. And those who are listening at home on the internet and maybe people across the world that may be tuning in, we never know how many are really listening at any one given time. But we pray, Lord, that you will be our guide and our teacher and that you will convict us where we need convicting, encourage us where we need encouraging, and, and comfort us where we need comforting. We ask this and pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying the Olympics. It's been really good. They had a lot of negativity going into the Olympics in Rio. They're not going to be ready. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of things going on over there. They're just, it's not going to be good. And sure enough, it turned out, as it always does, to be a great Olympics. And today's the last day, and it's going to have the closing ceremonies later this evening. But it's really been amazing to watch some of these athletes, whether they're swimmers or runners or kayakers or archers or whoever they are, participating in so many different sports, coming from so many different countries. But what you don't see on TV... And what you don't see on the internet about these athletes is all the hard work they put in. All their lives since they were little kids. The sacrifice they made. The commitment they have. The dedication to their country and to their sport. It's amazing. And we've seen some amazing performances by these young men and women. I'd just like to mention four of them and for special attention this morning. Athletes like Michael Phelps, 28 medals, 23 gold medals in his career. Unbelievable. Katie Ledecky made it look like she was the only one swimming in the race. She was so far ahead of her competitors that she won by a huge margin, unheard of, unprecedented, a great swimmer. And then there was Simone Biles, who, as a gymnast, put... America, so far ahead with her, the team as well as her performance, was just outstanding. It was amazing. And she's going to be the first American, uh, African-American, I think, athlete and gymnast to carry our flag into the stadium tonight. It's going to be beautiful. And then finally, there's a man who is a little bit proud. And of course, if I could run as fast as he could, believe me, I probably would be proud too. Because when you're the fastest man in the world, and you're called the world's fastest human when you win the 100 meters at the Olympics, or 
His name is Usain Bolt. He's also called Lightning Bolt. Some call him Insane Bolt. He's had commercials with the Energizer Bunny, and he's faster than that bunny, and he's, he's just tremendous athlete, just tremendous athlete. But these, these athletes are dedicated. They're committed. They're all in for winning that one gold medal. But you know what? If we as Christians could have this kind of commitment that these athletes have displayed, it would be a tremendous thing. Because our commitment is not to win a gold medal. Our commitment is not to become rich. It's not to become famous. But our commitment is to Jesus Christ and Him alone. And our commitment is to His cause, to the gospel message. And to us, the greatest thing is to have a soul come to Jesus Christ and get saved. There's nothing better than that. It says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. And that's what's really important. And today our message is True Commitment. The title of our message is True Commitment. God wants you to be committed. He wants me to be committed. Not 50%. Not 90%. Not 99.9%. But He wants us to be 100% committed to Him. You say, Dean, that's easier said than done. And surely it is. But He's equipped us, hasn't He? He's given us His Word. He's given us His Word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us Christian fellowship. He's given us leaders and examples before us. And He wants us to be committed to Him. I like one of the definitions I found of the word commitment. It says it's a pledge or promise to do something. A pledge or promise to do something. When you're committed to something, you've made a pledge, you've made a promise, and you're going to do it. When somebody is committed, it's as good as done. You don't even have to check on them because you know that if you gave that person something to do and they said they will do it, you know they're going to do it. And that's the kind of commitment the Lord wants from us as His servants. He wants us to be committed. He wants to know that, Alex, if I give you something to do, you're going to do it. And you're going to do it with all your heart. Brad and Sherry and Alan and all of us. He wants us to be truly committed to him and in the Bible there are men and women who are committed to the Lord and we look back at their legacy and they have left us a legacy of commitment to the Lord it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 these beautiful words now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come you know, there's no room in our Christian lives today for any secular cause or any earthly mission to distract us from our main purpose. And so many Christians get involved in politics, they get involved in social issues, they get involved in so many different things, and many of them are good things, but they're not the best thing. Because Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things what I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, as John gave the message a couple of weeks ago. And that is what he is. He's with us. Our outline today is really four things, four people that we're going to look at today. And each of them had these three things in common. And Ed's going to put it up on the screen. 
These are the four people we're going to talk about today. And because we're looking at the Olympics and because we've been doing that for the last two weeks, I don't know about you, but I like relays. Have you seen the relays in the pool and how one swims and then the next one gets ready and then they swim and then the third one and then finally the anchor one? Or on the track, the same thing, they pass the baton from one to the other to the other until the anchor leg and then they go. This is our relay team this morning. We're going to look at this relay team. Leading off for our relay team today is Joshua. The second leg is going to be run by Ruth. She's going to pass off the baton to David, and guess who's going to anchor it? The great Apostle Paul himself. These are four committed people. These people said it, they meant it, and they did it. And that's what I see as the commonality in all four of these individuals. They didn't just talk a good game, they played one. They didn't just say they were committed to the Lord, they did something about it. They were fully committed to the Lord. And so we're going to look, first of all, at Joshua. And we're going to see these three things about these individuals, Joshua and the others. They had a commitment of the tongue. They said it. They had a commitment of the heart. They meant it. It was their determination, their willingness. And third, they had a commitment of the life. They had a commitment of their will to put themselves fully into a committed place with the Lord. So let's look at Joshua. Commitment of the tongue, commitment of the heart, commitment of the life. You know, I love Joshua. Joshua was one who had to follow a pretty hard act, didn't he? He followed Moses. How would you like to say, I'm going to make you the leader of the great nation of Israel, and all you have to do is follow up for what Moses did, the greatest leader? Do you think you'd be intimidated by that? I think I would be following up such a great man like Moses. But Joshua didn't try to be Moses. He didn't try to look like Moses. He didn't try to act like Moses. He just became himself. And he took the mantle, or as we say, he took the baton, and he ran with it. And he was a leader. And you know what? He led by example. You know, there's leaders in this world that are so rah-rah, and they, you know, listen to me, and do this, and do that. And then there are leaders that are more quiet leaders. They're leaders by example. They don't rant and they don't rave. Maybe they're a basketball player, a football player. You don't ever hear anything. But quietly, behind the scenes with their teammates, they're a leader. People respect them. I think of Steph Curry. He's not that vocal leader, but he's that leader of the team that is by example. And I really like what Joshua said. This is some of the, these words that I'm going to read here and quote to you today from Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 are some of the most famous words in all the Bible. We've read them. We've mem memorized them. We have them on our doorposts many times, on our front doors, and we have the song about them and everything. But have we really stopped to consider what do these words really mean to us as individuals? Because here in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, it says this. Joshua, speaking to the people right near the end of after they have gone into the promised land. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But here's the key. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, here's a line in the sand right here, folks. This is a line right in the sand. You can make your choice who you want to serve, what God you want to follow, what religion you want to be involved with. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I like that. He didn't just say, I will serve the Lord. But he says, we, my wife is with me in this. My children are with me in this. Now, the Bible teaches us that you don't get saved on the coattails of fathers, mothers, and so forth. But Joshua and his whole family were saved. They were all believers. And so he could say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is a commitment. That is something we need to have in our lives today. It's a commitment of the tongue. You say it. You stand for it. It's a commitment of your heart. You're all in, and it's a commitment of your whole life. And you know, some people say talk is cheap, but it has to be backed up by action. A man named John H. Holcomb said, you must get involved to have an impact. No one is impressed with the one loss record of the referee. And you know, that's really true too, because there's three teams on the field, you know, there's the one team, the other team, and then there's the field team of officials, right? But the team of officials, they don't win, they don't lose, they just officiate the game. We as Christians need to get in the game. We don't need to sit on the bench, we need to get in the game. We need to be committed. And it's sad to see how many churches today where people struggle to go to the meetings, they struggle to come to the prayer meeting, they struggle, they struggle. Maybe once a week they make it, maybe once a month they make it. Some people only go to church on Christmas or Easter time. God is looking, as I said, for a full commitment where the doors open, the lights are on, and I want to be in my seat. You know, we all have our special seats that we sit on, don't we? It's interesting. We have parking spots in the parking lot we like to park in, and we have special seats we like to sit in at the church. And if you're not there, your seat's missing. The Lord is here. The people are here. We want to be here. Now, there are times we're out of town with business or we're ill, we can't make it, but that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a commitment to the Lord first. A commitment to say, I want to be involved. And I don't want to just sit on the bench and cheer for the teammates. I want to do that, but I want to get in the game. I want to be in the game. I want to give my all to it. And when you do that, the Lord will richly bless you. Yes, I think Joshua, as our leadoff leg, got off to a pretty good start, don't you? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, in any relay, you've got to have four individuals, as I mentioned, so he's got to hand off the baton, and I think he's going to hand it off to a very wonderful lady by the name of Ruth. We've had messages on Ruth, and Ruth had a commitment to loyalty. As Joshua had a commitment to service, to serve the Lord, Ruth has a commitment to loyalty. She was loyal to God. She was loyal to Naomi. She was loyal to the people of God. And she was loyal to the word of God. And you think of her background. She wasn't a Jewess. She was a Moabitess. She was from the enemies of Israel. But God touched her heart. God saved her, gave her a new life, gave her something special. And so when the time came for Naomi to go back to the land of Israel where she was from, after Elimelech, her husband had died and her two sons had died, 
which is one of the sons is who Ruth was married to, Malon. She gave the daughters a choice. She says, go back, go back, my daughters. I'm going off back to the land. And so the one daughter kissed her mother-in-law, Orpah, and she went back. But Ruth, she says, no. No, I'm not going back. There's nothing for me in Moab there anymore. That's an old life for me. I want what you have, Naomi. I want to go where you go. And I want to be where the people of God are. I want to be where God is. And these famous words that she spoke in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, leave a blessing every time we hear them, every time we read them. Here Ruth says, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth, like Joshua, had a commitment of the tongue. She said it. She had a commitment of the heart. She meant it. She was not going back. And she had a commitment of her life into the hands of God, not knowing where she's going, not knowing how the story's going to end up. When we get saved, we don't know how the story of our life's going to unfold and turn out, but we know one who does. Our God knows. And when we commit our life to Him and say, Lord, my life's in Your hands. Do with me whatever You want to do, Lord. Do you think He'll be a debtor to anybody? No. He's going to give you the best life, the best of everything, because you've committed your life to Him. It's so many people think, oh, I don't want to get involved with Christianity. It's boring. It's, it's, I have to give up so much. And No. What you give up is your sins. You give up your past life that you're not proud of, and you get a new life, a new heart. You have eternal life. And there's joy, as we've been studying about in Scripture memory class. Her life was changed. She said, these gods of Moab, they're stone idols and all of that. No, throw that away. They didn't do anything for me. They're just inanimate objects. I want the true living God of Israel. I want a God who can change my heart. I want a God who can change my life. I want a God that can give me life. And that's why Ruth made this statement. And she stood by it all the rest of her life. She went to Israel. She could have said, well, it didn't work out too good for me there in Israel, and I'm going to go back to where I grew up and back to the house I grew up in and back to my family. No. She says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And that's what she said, and that's what she did. She's the epitome of godly loyalty. And what did God do for her? He honored her. He gave her a wonderful husband, Boaz. He gave her a wonderful son, Obed, who was in the line of David, and then she also became in the line of Christ. I mean, could anybody have a better life than that? When God gives you the life he gives you, it's the best for you. It's made for you. It's tailored for you. It's structured for you. Nobody else. And that's how much God loves us. Well, how do you think our relay team is doing this morning? Joshua has run the first leg and got us off to a great start. He's handed the baton to Ruth and she has carried it forth very well. And now she's going to turn over the baton to David. King David, who started off as a shepherd boy who became the king of the whole nation of Israel. He had his ups and downs. 
He had his difficult times where he was pursued by Saul and pursued by even his own son Absalom who tried to take over the kingdom and did take it over from David. But one thing about David is he loved the Lord. And he loved the Lord very much. And he had a commitment to giving to the cause of God. We heard it from our brother who shared from the word about how our brother Rajiv and how he prepared all that for, for his son Solomon to build the temple. Got everything ready for him. He knew he wasn't going to be the one to build it, but he says, Solomon, you take it now and you build it. David had a commitment. He was committed. And one day when David got proud, one of his sins, of course we know his sin of adultery and murder, was a terrible thing. God didn't justify it at all, but he did forgive him. But the other sin that David had is he got a little bit proud and he wanted to count the people. I want to count how many men I have in my army. And the, his general Joab says, why David? All the soldiers, they're all God's men. They're all God's servants. They're all, all soldiers. Why, why do you want to count them? This is not a good thing. But he overruled Joab, and he says, go out and count them. So they went out, and it took them a long time. They counted all the people of Israel and came back. God was very displeased with David, very displeased, because he had showed pride, and he had listened to the devil is what he had, according to Second Chronicle, uh, First Chronicles. And so what God says is he says, David, I'm going to bring a judgment. I'm going to bring a discipline. I'm going to bring a correction on your life. And you can choose one of these things that I can do for you. And so David chose to have this plague strike down on his nation and a people. And so it came down and the angel of the Lord went out and struck quite a few thousand people there. And David was very burdened. And so the Lord said that he needed to go and make an offering, make a sacrifice. And so he went to this man who was named Aruna. And he said, I'd like to buy the property there that you have, Aruna, on your land so that we can build an altar so that this plague will be stopped. And Aruna says, oh, no, 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 my king. No, no, no. I'll give it to you free. Please let me give it to you free. This is from me, my heart to your heart. David says, no, I can't do it. And these are the words that David said in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 24. These beautiful words of commitment. He says, no but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So it says, David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David said, anything I offer to God comes at a cost. It comes at a price. If you offer to God that which costs you nothing, then what you're giving is really nothing. But when you offer to God some kind of a sacrifice that costs you something, your time, your effort, your money, whatever it is, and you give it generously and you give it willingly, that's a commitment. And we have to have that kind of commitment that David had where we will say, Lord, I'm not going to offer to you anything that costs me nothing. I think so many times today we offer to God are leftovers. Now, leftovers can sometimes be good. You, you read them, heat them up. Uh, pizza is a pretty good leftover. Spaghetti's pretty good leftover. And there's certain things, right? But it's really not what you'd want to serve your guest. Can you imagine if I invited somebody over to my house and we're all sitting around the table? I said, I am so glad you folks are here tonight. 
I didn't really have time to cook a new dinner, so I made this last night, and I had some people, and we have a leftover. So I decided to invite you over to my house, and we've got some beautiful leftovers. How do you think that would go over? Not good, right? Or if you had your boss over, we're having leftovers. You wouldn't do that. If you wouldn't do that, why would you offer to God your leftovers, the leftovers of your time, the leftovers of your effort, the leftovers of your commitment? No. God wants us to give us, he wants us to give the best that we have, all that we have. Make it under his control. Say, Lord, I'm committed to give it to you the best that I have. And that's the kind of commitment God wants us to have. So many people nowadays don't have that commitment. But David, like Joshua, and David, like Ruth, had a commitment of the tongue. They said it. They had a commitment of the heart. They meant it. They were in. And they had a commitment of the life to do it. That's the kind of commitment God wants us to have. Yes, our time is costly. Our money is costly. Our efforts are costly. But we have to be willing to give. And we have to be willing to serve. Well, in every good relay race, you have to have a good anchor man or anchor woman. And if you've ever watched Usain Bolt run these races, it doesn't matter if his team is a little bit ahead or a little bit behind. It doesn't matter. You know he's going to win. You know his team is going to win. So you just, I mean, you have confidence. And so if you're going to put anybody in the Bible in the fourth slot to run that last leg, there would be nobody better that I would choose than the Apostle Paul. The man was humble. The man's life was changed on the road to Damascus. He was off to persecute the Christians and take them into prison and put them to death. And all of a sudden, the Lord knocked him off his horse and spoke to his heart, saved his soul, and then sent him in blind. And then he sent a man named Ananias to speak to him so he'd have his sight restored. And he says, go and tell him how much he must suffer for my sake. How many people he's going to stand before kings and people in authority and he's going to suffer for my sake. Paul was a great man, but he was a humble man. And he said so many wonderful words. Do you know that Paul wrote more books of the Bible than any other writer? Especially in the New Testament. I mean, he wrote the majority of it. And God used him to do it. And he was committed. And his life wasn't easy, is it? But I love what he said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Years ago, Bill was struck with an illness. And he's listening today. He was struck with an illness that was very serious. And I remember it back when he used to live at Polito. Remember, Jeff? He lived at Polito and he had a very serious illness and God healed him for that. And he went out to the state of California and they still have them, of course, these personalized plates that I remember for years Bill had on his license plate, Philippians 1.21. What are the words of Philippians 1.21? I think all of us can quote it. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And guess what? The Lord healed Bill. He's used him in a mighty way, and he's got a lot more for him to do. And the same thing is true of Jessica, what he did in Jessica's life. She puts on her license plate, living for heaven. And she's living for heaven while she's here on earth. 
And that's God's plan for us, is to be committed to him. Not committed to a religion or committed to a, a cause of this world, but committed to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and committed to his work of winning souls to the Savior. His whole life was dedicated to the Lord, and he faced hardships, he faced difficulties, he faced pain. And if you look up in your Bible into the second book of Corinthians, you are going to find a list of things, and I'm not going to take the time now to, to um, have you read it, but I'd like to just mention some of the things that Paul, well, all the things that he mentions that he went through. And then I'd like to ask you if you would be willing to be committed to doing these things. Here's what Paul went through in his life. Beatings, labors, stonings, shipwrecks, persecution, weariness, toil, sleeplessness, hunger and thirst, cold, and the lack of the necessities of life. Now, if you were to tell a person when they get saved, here's what you have to do. Here's your list. These are the things you're going to go through. They would drop that list and run because God doesn't expect us to go to, through all of those things necessarily, although we may have to go through some of them. But are we willing to be committed to him in such a way as to say whatever God allows in my life, whether it's an illness, whether it's a, a lack, or a loss, whatever it is, I'm committed to you, Lord. And just because you don't give me what I pray for, and just because you don't come through in the way I want you to come through, I'm committed to stay the course and to be committed to you all the way. That's the way Paul was. He went that way, and he affected Timothy, and he affected Titus, and he affected all these young people, and all the people around him were affected. He didn't take the easy way. He didn't take the safe way but he took God's way. And when we're committed to the Lord, we want to do things His way. His way. 2 Timothy 4.7 is another one of the verses that Paul stated his commitment. And this is now at the end of his life. Now he's, he's an older man. He's an older Christian. He's gone through all the battles and all the fights and all those things. And in 2 Timothy 4.7, he says these beautiful words. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Three things he said there. I have fought the good fight. Did he fight the good fight? Yes, he did. He didn't give up. Did he finish the race? Yes, he says, I'm at the finish line. And he knew that he was going to be killed for his faith. He's going to be martyred. Kept going. And he says, I've kept the faith. I kept the faith. It would have been so easy for Paul just to keep quiet, not rock the boat, not uh, offend anyone. He didn't do that. Even in jail, he preached to the jailers in Rome and he won many people from, from Caesar's household to Christ. He didn't care what people said. He stood for Christ and he preached for Christ and he lived for Christ. We may never attain to that high level like Paul. But we can be committed. We can be committed to him in all things. And he'll use us where we are, at work or at school, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Committed Christians can do way more than even the greatest preachers or missionary because you are where God puts you. You're right where God has put, 
placed you and planted you, and that's where God wants you to be committed. Not to be committed to some cause over here that's distracting, but committed right straight down the middle for the Lord. Yes, Paul said it. He meant it, and he did it. And that's what God wants us to do as well. Paul was a finisher, and he finished strong, and I don't know that you could have any better runner than in the fourth position, in the anchor leg, to have Paul take that baton and run it to the finish line, to the victory. You know, I, was, I ran track as a young man in high school, and I ran the mile, and I ran the two mile, and different things. I was never a sprinter, but every once in a while, one time I got a chance to run the mile relay, and I thought that was just great. You know, I was a distance runner, but I got a chance to run it one time, but I wasn't very fast on that, that race or anything. But we had a, a young man who was named Sidney Ennis. He was real tall. I seem to recall him well over six feet tall, very thin, and he always ran the mile relay. And if you notice in track meets, it's the last, usually the last event on the schedule is the mile relay, or they call it the 4x4 four four now, the 4x400 four meter in the Olympics and everything. And so no matter if we were behind or we were ahead, it didn't matter because you knew he was going to win the race. I mean, we would be behind sometimes to our rival, Berkeley High, and they were good. They were real good. And sometimes we'd be behind, but we knew we had Sidney Ennis. We knew he could take that baton, and it wouldn't matter. And he had the longest legs, and it was just like watching Usain Bolt. It really was. He wasn't as fast as that, but he was very fast. And so he'd take that baton, and he'd win the race, and we'd win the meet, and we'd say, wow, we're a team. But he was the one that was special, and Paul was special. And these four individuals we've mentioned this morning were special individuals. Joshua was special because he had a commitment to serve the Lord. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was a leader by example, and he was one that we can look up to and say that about. And Ruth, she was a wonderful lady. She had a loyalty to the Lord, to the Lord's people, to the Lord's work. And she says, I'm going to follow, no turning back. Don't try to convince me, Naomi, to go back. I'm going with you because you're going with God. And may the Lord help us to be those kind of people that have that kind of loyalty to the Lord. And David had a loyalty to offer to God something that was costly, something that cost him something. He says, I will not offer to God that which cost me nothing. I will not give my leftovers to God. I'm going to give the best I have to him. And then finally, we have the great apostle Paul. I can't wait to meet him in heaven. I can't wait to see this man who had such a love and a passion for the Lord and for souls and was so committed to going through all those hardships because he had a goal before him and to finish that race and finish that fight and finish that work. And he did because he was committed. May the Lord help us to realize that we come from different backgrounds. We have different gifts. We have different skills and abilities. But God can use us if we're fully committed to him. Not partial commitment, full commitment. That's what God wants. Let us follow their commitment. Let us follow their example. And let us remember that it's a threefold commitment. First of all, it's a commitment of the tongue. We say we are Christians, that we believe in Jesus Christ. We say it. We take a stand. Secondly, we put our heart into it. We put it, our full heart into it. Our motives are good. And then finally, we, our whole life is committed to Christ, start to finish, to finish 
that race. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we're so challenged today by the lives of these four individuals from your word, Joshua, Ruth, David, and Paul. And Lord, we can't wait to meet them in heaven. And Lord, we can't wait to get to your presence. But until then, Lord, help us to be committed. Help us not to make excuses on why we can't be committed. Help us not to to, um, go off on other causes and other interests, but help us to be committed to your cause, Lord, to your interest, to you personally, Lord Jesus Christ. And we just pray that you will help us to be humble, committed, loyal servants of Christ. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.